1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders Yankees podcast for Friday, June 4th. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Let me start by, first of all, thanking everybody who helped make Lou Gehrig Day possible. June 2nd is going to be Lou Gehrig Day throughout baseball from now on. The first one was this week, and everybody who helped make that uh, event happen and make it a success, thank you. Um, If you've been following along on my Twitter, you've seen uh, all the different people that I've uh, posted and retweeted and uh, how much it means to them, how much it means to me, and uh, it's just something that's affected a lot of people. So thank you to everybody who made it happen, and if you missed uh, our last episode, go check it out. It's pulled together from a show I did on the radio last weekend leading up to Lou Gehrig Day, and uh, we talked to some fine people. Jonathan Eig, the uh, author of uh, The Life and Death of Lou Gehrig. It's called Luckiest Man and The Life and Death of Lou Gehrig. Uh, Best-selling book from several years ago. Uh, We also spoke to Chuck Haberstroh, who is the co-chair of the committee that launched uh, Lou Gehrig Day, and Nancy Frades, the mother of Pete Frades, who uh, lost his life to ALS and was one of the inspirations for the Ice Bucket Challenge, along with Pat Quinn and uh their stories really uh really shine a light on why Lou Gehrig day happened, why it was needed, and uh and, and what it meant to everybody involved. So go back and check that out. And uh, that was our last episode here. And uh, if you have time, you'll hear some of their stories. The Yankees just finished off the four-game series with Tampa Bay. Head into a weekend series with the Red Sox. Really disappointing loss on Thursday for a number of reasons. And the biggest one is what it, what just what it could have done. You walked into that game on Thursday with Garrett Cole in the mound having won two out of three against Tampa Bay a team that he struggled with earlier in the year fell behind the razor in first place chance to win three out of four cut the lead in the AL East to two and a half games big swing game right the difference between two and a half out and four and a half out that's what Thursday's game was and Garrett Cole was on the mound for it uh you were a little short in the bullpen, so you needed a couple of things to happen. You needed Cole to be efficient, get through the game uh, in the early innings to take you deeper into it, and then you needed some offense. You needed runs on the board to make sure you didn't get into an area where you were going to have to be forced to choose certain relievers because you had Chad Green, Jonathan Lewis going to roll as Chapman. It all worked two days in a row. Three days in a row is the red flag area. There are certain times of the year when you throw that out. I don't know if you're there yet in June. I think Chapman would have been the one where you kind of rolled the dice on it, uh, depending on where you were in the game. But Green and Lewisega, uh given that they at times do multiple innings, Working them three days in a row probably was not, and that they're younger, uh, probably was not going to be an option for Aaron Boone. We never got to find out if he was going to get to a role as Chapman three days in a row because the Rays ended up blowing out the Yankees. Uh, Cole gave up some hits uh, in the middle innings and some runs in the middle innings and struggled there. And the Yankees never got anything going offensively shut down by Ryan Yarbrough. It felt like a game that was a must win. There aren't aren't many of those you can say over the course of 162 in the middle of the summer, especially, and say, man, it's a must win. But just the way the swing it could have created in the standings, plus the fact that you don't play the Rays again for a long time. There are only six games left against Tampa Bay. Uh, three at the end of July and three at the end of the season. The last three games of the season. This was a chance to really, really make a swing in the standings there. Um, between two and a half out and four and a half out. And, and show some Momentum. With having won your last series against Tampa Bay, taking two out of three, if you took three out of four here, it would start to erase some of that, you know, bad feeling when you lost five out of six to start the season against Tampa Bay and uh, give you a little momentum boost into the Red Sox series. Plus Garrett Cole has not had a lot of good luck against Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rays, even when he was at the Astros, the Rays have pitched him, uh, have, have played him pretty well. Uh, regular season against Tampa Bay, 10 starts, ZRA is a little under four, which is great for almost everybody. It's, uh, it's a little high for Garrett Cole, and he's one in five. He has one win in ten regular season starts against Tampa Bay. Um, so you're only going to get two more cracks at them. It may be only one, depending on how the rotation falls. Uh, but uh, you know, yesterday just felt like it was a game that the Yankees had to have and they didn't get it. So now you're on to the Red Sox series. Boston has been playing well over the course of the first two months, probably uh, better than most of us thought, Uh, definitely better than I thought. Two months in that they'd still be pitching well, not sure that I saw that happening. Credit to the Red Sox for turning around what in 2020 was historically bad pitching staff for them over the course of 60 games. Uh, Played almost as many so far this year, and and they've – They've turned that around, and it's a big reason why they're sitting in second place right now behind Tampa Bay. So you get into this Red Sox series again. You're finishing out a a homestand, finishing out a home portion, wasting opportunities to really start slugging the ball, which is what the Yankees do in this ballpark, and they find little... Bits and pieces, uh, home run here, home run there. But it's really not even about the home runs so much. You know, the Yankees used to hit three-run homers. They used to hit two-run homers. They hit a lot of solo homers right now. So the idea of, you know, the home runs used to be good, and they weren't an overall part of the problem because you were getting men on base with singles and doubles and walks and then hitting home runs. You're not really uh, getting uh, much to take advantage of right there. Uh, with men on base, it is a continuous problem. Uh, And at some point, the Yankees believe that when you have guys like D.J. LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, all healthy. I mean, LeMahieu and Torres are batting 1-2 for the Yankees in the lineup uh, on Thursday. And, uh, you know, combined 1-7 for uh, with a single. Uh, They even had a sack bunt in the first inning. Didn't do anything. They didn't score. Didn't didn't, uh, add up to anything. But LeMahieu and Torres have shown little spurts here and there. They're hitting in the 250s and 260s without a lot of power. Um, that's not what you expected from those guys. The fact that they're healthy is great. I mean, it's one thing to see players get injured. But when they're healthy and not producing, you know, they're, they've are they gotten some big hits. Gleyber Torres had that great weekend series against the White Sox. But otherwise, it's been kind of flat. And there hasn't been a lot of... And when I say power, I don't mean hit the ball over the fence all the time. know, extra base hits, doubles count. Uh, DJ LeMay, who had three extra base hits in the month of May, three. Um, this is not the player the Yankees saw the last two years. He's far from it. Uh, and Gleyber Torres, uh, outside a couple of little bursts, has really not shown his true ability offensively either. Uh, so that's what the Yankees are missing right now, and they have three more home games. If we're heading out on an eight-game road trip um, and see what can happen. And I mention home games only because you know the Yankees play well in their ballpark. Even though they're extremely right-handed, they still play well in their ballpark. And isn't it a surprise to see that they're now nine and ten against uh, in games started by left-handed pitchers? This is a very right-handed lineup. The fact that they're under 500 in games started by lefties—that really um, is something that stands out for me. When you look at the the roster right now, what they can do. Uh, there's still a couple of months left before the trading deadline, less than two months. But I feel like center field. I feel like the Yankees have telegraphed to us that center field is their biggest priority. Why? Well, they started Aaron Judge there in a game earlier this week because they had to give 37-year-old Brett Gardner a day off. Uh, and their next best option is Aaron Judge. Look at the rest of the roster right now. Their third on the depth chart at, at center field is Tyler Wade. Um, that tells me, this is signaling to me that their number one priority is center field. When when you're giving Gardner a day off and putting Judge out there, uh, and you've talked about using Tyler Wade, this is they have... They have some holes right now and the injuries have helped create it. Center field, first base. That, those are injured positions with Hicks and Voigt uh, But center field appears to me to be the biggest priority here. And first base is something they can address. Although they, they seem to feel that Luke Voigt is going to be back in a few weeks, uh, maybe by July 1st. So sometime this month. So maybe it's a little bit of a shorter term thing, but the oblique would still worry me. The fact that it was a grade two uh, means a little bit, some more severe and, um, uh, it would still be something that worries me because, you know, Luke Voigt is a guy who swings and swings hard. And um, I'm not ready to assume that he's back in a short period of time and that that it isn't, a, uh, you know, that, it, that it's not a problem that could creep up again. Um, so I'd be keeping my eyes out for first base. Uh, that's something that uh, uh, that you have to kind of think about. And it might be as simple as acquiring a shortstop and shifting everybody over towards the to second, Lemahu to first. Um, maybe that's an easier way to handle it. Um, but I'm still looking for LeMahieu and Torres to produce too, to make all of that worthwhile. Uh, the other things that are really standing out as, uh, as the Yankees head into the third month, their base running is still uh, a major issue uh, and defenses as you know come in spurts they played well defensively for a good period of time i mean you don't pitch as well as the yankees did for a good long stretch and win a lot of games without having the defense hold up and it did remember the yankees did go 23 and 9 over a stretch of 32 games uh so everything else you're seeing is uh, is over a different part uh, portion of the schedule but there was a good stretch well, that's a month's worth of games where the yankees were playing well and the defense held up in that spot the base running um, not so much. And actually a part of defense is actually, you know, how their outfield plays and, um, there, you know, Clint Frazier had another throw the other day where he missed a cutoff man and we've seen several of those. Um, this is part of outfield play. You know, it's one thing if you're subpar defensively, and Miguel Andujar has been out there too, has had a couple of issues. If you're subpar defensively, you can kind of take it if you're making up for it offensively. And right now the Yankees aren't doing that. Miguel Andujar has had a good week, has flashed some of that power that you saw in 2018. Uh, and Clint Frazier's had some big hits. But uh, overall, the Yankees aren't producing offensively there. Maybe it's Suzanne Duhar's time, since he's starting to pick things up a little bit and show you a little bit more of that production. Maybe he's the guy you stick out there and left field a little more regularly. And Maybe that means Clint Frazier sits a little bit more often. But... Outfield is something that they need to address between Frazier and Duhar, who haven't picked things up yet to this point, who are not great defenders, and Gardner, who's signed as a fourth outfielder and has now become your starting center fielder. You have outfield issues. You need one outfielder. You might need two outfielders, but at this point, you absolutely need a starting center fielder, and I think that's what the Yankees have signaled with the the way that they have uh, put their lineups out there the last couple of years. When does that get solved? Well, listen, I don't know if it's anytime soon because you're talking about a lot of teams still in the race and a lot of teams that have injury issues of their own that they're trying to do. And when you start talking about trades this time of year, asking prices are generally high, higher than what you would want. Now, I think you have to adjust to that the last couple of years you've heard names like Davy Garcia, Esteban Florial, or it was Clint Frazier, Miguel M. Duhar. These are not the names teams are interested in anymore. Uh, some of them have accrued some big league time, so they're into arbitration years um, or getting closer to arbitration. And you're going further down the chain. Uh, and the names you're going to start hearing? Well, Jason Dominguez is a guy that everybody's going to ask for. Um, and, and it's all it's been happening for a couple of years already. So that's that's not new. That's what you're going to hear. Uh, Oswald Peraza, who was the um, uh, player of the month at, uh, at high A in May playing for Hudson Valley, uh, he had himself a really good month and he's really put himself, he was already on the high on the prospect radar, but getting off to a good start in his first game action, everybody's first game action in two years. Really, really good start for Peraza. 20-year-old shortstop who hit 323, five homers, eight doubles, and was 15 out of 16 in stolen bases. Uh, good shortstop, too. This is a prospect that a lot of people are really starting to talk highly about. He got off to a good start in his minor league season, and you're going to hear that name. Uh, Luis Medina, Luis Heal. These are guys who were lower on the chain and have high upside. These are the names you're going to start to hear. Now, Is it worth it if you're getting an everyday player who has control beyond this year? Maybe. Is it worth it for somebody who is a two-month rental? Probably not. Um, But it's not going to keep the asking prices from coming down yet. And that's why you're not seeing deals happen yet. Certain teams aren't ready to move. They're waiting to make their best move. This isn't something that's in a vacuum with the Yankees. Oh, the Yankees need an outfielder? Here, let's trade this guy for that guy. Get him in here tomorrow. It doesn't work that easily. Um, so this is something that's going to play out here over the next couple of weeks, and we'll see if they're interested in doing anything internally. Chris Gittens at first base, Trey Ambergy in the outfield, those are guys who could possibly help. Neither one is on the 40-man roster, and that's a bit of an issue here as you just try and figure out how to make the right move, and uh, and we'll see how the Yankees deal with them. They have been hitting well lately, um, but they're still also big strikeout guys. So it's not like either one of these guys offensively solves this whole issue of power with high strikeouts. They're part of the same mix right now. If you look at their history in the minor leagues, they, uh, they're good hitters with high strikeouts. And you move that to the big leagues and you wonder, you know, that's probably not going to change. So um, it doesn't change the offensive profile too much. It's just that these guys are having good years in the minors, and you wonder if it can translate even for a short period of time at the big league level, and, uh, and we'll see how they approach that over the course of these next couple of weeks. If they, if they get back to pitching the way they were back in that White Sox series and the stretch that was around that, then it, it solves some of the issues and they get back to playing better, and we'll see how they do. After the Red Sox series, they have an eight-game road trip, including three with Minnesota, two with the Phillies, uh, and then three with Toronto, and Toronto is the one offense that the Yankees have really had trouble had trouble with, um, and we'll see how they find them. That's still coming up. That's still about a week and a half away, and, uh, and we'll see then. Uh, but it's going to be the Red Sox this weekend, and we'll see how the Yankees come through this as they head now into the middle of the summer here as we hit... Uh, We're going to have a hot weekend in New York uh, coming up here and you're going to get into the second week in June and you're going to really start to see, Okay, where are the areas that you really need to attack? And for me, well, I told you where where I see. The, uh, the problems right now. want to remind you to subscribe to WFAN's Baseball Insiders. You'll get Ed Coleman's Mets reports and my Yankees reports delivered to you here weekly, and uh, make sure you check back. And uh, as I said, subscribe and review, and uh, thanks for listening to, uh, to this all season. Hope you continue, too. Maybe the Yankees will have a good weekend. We'll come back and break it all down for you on Monday. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sweeney Murdy.